0: Hello and welcome to a very fun show that I always enjoy, our opening day of Baseball Preview. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. And we're going to dive right in with another Brooklynite, a man I had the pleasure of hearing on uh, another podcast this spring and then checking out his work. And obviously there's a lot of people out there doing baseball analysis, but I feel like it's a much smaller Venn diagram when it comes to... To people who do the work for baseball, more maybe more on the fantasy side, but also who have um, a grip on the gambling side of things, and just hearing this guy talk for uh, a few minutes over on the sleeper and the bust podcast, I, I could sense that he was one of our own in that uh, in that regard, with a grasp on gambling things. We bring him in now. His name is John Legesa. John, how are you, my friend? Wow, good morning. That was such high praise
1: coming from you, Pete. Thanks so much. The Brooklyn bunker. I love the sound of that. And yeah, it's true. You know, I think I have found my edge betting baseball, spending the offseason, learning about the science of the game as it changes, right? We've had changes in the ball with humidors, and it's impacted the game. And I think being in front of that, right, being on the tip of the spear and kind of understanding this with the inception of all the new StatCast data has been the pathway. And, yeah, people have just been kind of picking up what and putting down. So thank you so much, man.
0: Let's start off by talking a little bit about these fundamentals of what you do because I'm still at the point where while I recognize the importance of a lot of the StatCast data, I don't exactly know how to use it in my own handicapping as much as I – do my work a little bit more traditionally and rely on the likes of you to look into that deeper data that we now have a wellspring of to help explain the world to me. What, Like if somebody wanted to try to educate themselves a little bit more about some of the new baseball data we have available for handicapping purposes, where would you suggest that they start? What what, what are the things that they're looking for the most?
1: Well, I think they've probably come to the right place going to somebody like you who first of all makes an, which is just such a great point. Even if you're in a field striving to be an expert, let's say, or a specialist, that doesn't mean that you close off input of information. So being okay outsourcing work to other people is a great idea. So, Pete, that's the first thing you should do is go to other people and be a sponge, right? No matter what your age or experience level, the world's always changing, right? Things are never kind of static. It's always dynamic. So number one is do that. Man, I'm not to boast, but I think – I'm that person right now kind of playing that buffer zone between the advanced stats and trying to bring them to the greater public because yes, it provides edge and betting, which is fantastic. And I love it, right? I've kind of hung my hat on this, but it's also about the game that I love. And I think teams and the game itself are moving in that direction and that's inevitable. It's happening. And you kind of go have to get along with it. Yeah. We've had some pushback for me. It's a little disappointing in the broadcast booths, where they demean analytics, ha, pshaw, launch angle, not even understanding that these are objective, fundamental edges. I mean, when we look at the best and most analytically driven teams, the Dodgers, the Astros, what do you notice besides the pocket? Because these teams win, and they understand how to win. So one is to understand that these stats do matter. Two would be to try and simplify it, just the way you said. And I think there are some easy ways, right? So StatCast, Savant. These are all kind of let's call it similar terms for advanced statistics. Now you don't have to dive into the ocean; there is a shallow end, and that's where I feel like I come in because no one is doing that, right? You either get people, not to say talking down to people, but they end up so in the weeds with the scientific stuff that you lose any chance of having a novice apply it properly. Which also you got to be careful of because people, you know, misuse these things. So let's go to Baseball Savant. Best place to to go for pitching, let's say, because ERA is the most, I don't know what the word is. Is it wonky? Is it unpredictable? Well, it's all of those things, right? Is it versatile? Yes, it is. It's it's everything bad for a handicapper because the past is no indication of the future. Similar to trading, where my professional background started, right? Past performance is not indicative of your future outputs right you have to remember that just because you had a strong baseball season last year does Mm -hmm. not mean it's going to happen again so all these tying themes are going to keep coming up right simplifying compartmentalizing remembering to be malleable and open and then allowing some information flow so for pitching it's pretty simple you can quite literally use expected era Statcast has labeled it x era generally when you see the letter x it means expected and you know, they use objective measures. It's not magic, people. We want to know how hard the ball is struck, right? For a hitter, you'd rather be O for 4, having hit the ball 110 miles an hour at an ideal launch angle and have had an outfielder make a miraculous catch four times to a zero batting average result, than four inside-out loopers where you reach that pitches that you shouldn't have, right? So that's pretty much an oversimplification of Why we use advanced stats just in general, because the outputs don't tell the proper story.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, in gambling, we often talk about trying to evaluate your decisions as opposed to evaluating your outcomes. And what I'm hearing as you give your your spiel about advanced stats, John, is you're much more interested in the underlying skills, that are on display, which these stats can point us to than just focusing on the outcomes as so much of the mainstream still does. You mentioned the baseball savant uh, place to get information. I know you you're available in so many places. I don't know the best place to point people. Let's, let's start there and then let's get down to brass tacks about some of the things that you're particularly looking forward to in this baseball season.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I've kind of got the big Cheshire cat smile on because Man, I don't know. I i don't know, like my stocks on the rise, man. And you really can't miss me. And I'm kind of loud. So I've become a little bit ubiquitous. <laughs> but the, <you're> right. <laughs> the best place is on Twitter. So it's at John Legaza. my name, J-O-H-N-L-A-G-H-E-Z-Z-A. And that will serve as a streamline to all of the work that I do. Because like you mentioned, and I really do appreciate it. The Venn diagram is something that I talk about a lot on my, throughout all my various shows and writing and stuff. And I think with the... New age of fractional gambling, right? The legalization of gambling, which has opened up options, competition, price shopping to people. You have to take advantage of all of these things because generally profits kind of made on the edges. And being able to work that Venn diagram, I'll often tell people, let's think about an MLB slate. And now player props are very popular and all these things. I could tell you the player. Let's call it the piece, right, a board game piece. But unless you know what board to put it on and where on the board to put it, you can have the right answer and not come up with the outcome, similar to stock trading. I can tell you what stock to buy, but if I don't tell you what price to buy it at and when to get out, more importantly, you're probably not going to profit on it. So like you nailed it, Pete, it's process greater than sign, everything. Baseball gives us an infinite amount of opportunities to gamble. You don't have to bet on stuff that you don't like.
0: And that's getting into game selection. One of my pet things that I'm always hammering on here is how I believe game selection is sort of the secret key, not just to gambling, but to life. <laughs> wow, well, that's great. You know, can, I, can,
1: can I do my favorite lesson on it since we're talking about it? Yeah, please. So check it out. This just, takes a, this just takes a minute and I have found it's left a lasting impact on people like it has on me because a lot of these adages and mantras and stuff that they throw out there are from You know, the trading, well, I didn't literally work on a trading floor. Now, you know, your home office is the trading floor. But I founded a derivative trading company. So basically, this is all live trading, you know, high-speed cash trading. So discipline is at the fore. You know, a decision, not even a bad decision, a slow decision could cost you thousands of dollars, right? We can't have that. So the idea is this, people. No bet is better than a bad bet. No trade is better than a bad trade. And I can quantify it. So if you start with $100, we're going to make this nice and easy you start with $100 and you lose 10% of that, you're down to 90 bucks. Uh, while well, you're upset, you lost on the 7 p.m. slate. So you'll decide to wager on the 10 p.m. slate. Maybe again, game you didn't even want in the first place. And you make back 10%. The problem, Pete, is 10% on the 90 that you have left is only 99 and That's it's right. not 100. So while you traded 10% profit losses, you're actually down 1%. And if you were to repeat that, cycle in perpetuity you end up at zero you end up at zero right and while you think that you're making even exchanges right you're not so the theory is this right no bet is better than a bad bet because every time you lose you need you know for every 10 percent you lose you need 11 to get it back so there are no kind of willy-nilly bets where i come from right that's why i run the model i you know i kind of hit the industry with my moving averages betting model To simplify the game, I even remove bullpens, which I think, I mean, they're they're objectively the most unpredictable part of baseball. Not only usage, but performance. So, you know,
0: my model stuff is
1: very model-based, very procedural, very, you know, methodological, I guess.
0: How much old school do you bring in? How much is your model man plus machine, and how much are you just letting the machine roll?
1: Man, this is real. God, what an awesome question. (laughs) Because this is the thing that I think I struggle with the most. Because you could tell I'm very assertive. I like to think, even if I'm not compelling, I'm not trying to say that, but I like to build compelling arguments. I like to think of every bet being presented in front of the judge, right? We don't know what the verdict is going to be. That's why we need to be as compelling as possible. So sometimes I think you have to stand up to the machine, but I will be honest with the now several years, gosh, that I have doing this thousands of hours put into the algorithm which not to say the algorithm, it's not AI, I'm not that smart, but it's getting smarter because I'm getting better at smoothing out the hiccups, the things that I used to adjust. So I think my answer is when I first started the model, I used to do more manual adjusting, but over time I began to track what things warranted a manual adjustment. And then I tried to account for that automatically. That all said, particularly to the pitching side, and then particularly if I could tie in your questions about advanced stats, and if anyone is still wondering why this stuff matters, this is where this legitimately matters more than anything else for betting on baseball. The trajectory of a pitcher changes almost instantaneously, meaning hitters, very reliable. You can use projection systems. We want 1,000 plate appearance samples, right? We don't want to overreact. Not to say you want to overreact to pitchers, but the thing is a pitcher with a new mechanical approach which a new arsenal with new velocity which sometimes is a product of the mechanical changes you no longer care about the pitcher that you had last year right if if this new pitcher right if pete the new pete 2.0 is now throwing 97 and throwing 95 he's leading with a slider instead of a sinker that he no longer throws it's very hard to look at pete's stats from last year so that's advanced stats are the way to pick up on the velocity changes, the mix changes, the shape changes even of a pitch, and that is going to lead you to where the market lags, in particular to pitching. So I think well, hopefully we did a good job tying in
0: all that stuff. Yeah, you answered my next question, too. My follow-up that I was developing is I would think – see, in horse racing, for me, you know, it's a very similar dynamic now where so much of the market is essentially AI, mechanical, computer money – and, but they do still have some human inputs to go in them. And I feel like the most – the place where I feel like the man would p- take precedence over the machine would be with what I'm just going to call short-term fluctuations of form. Things that are happening in real time that the model can't really model for in, in, in a horse without the same kinds of advanced metrics that we have in baseball. But in baseball, you see the velocity uptick. You see – that pitch breaking more like you can factor in in real time things that are that are happening, um, at a, at a skill level, at a mechanical level that can inform the model. So you don't have to do like a manual override the way, the way you might in the, in a horse racing situation, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. You know, this is, it's another really good question because these are things that I've, I've had to tackle. I mean, I had to tackle it when I was doing this kind of privately and then once I present it to the public, now you're not, you mean not to say you're responsible, right? We all kind of push the buy button, the trade button, the confirm button ourselves. But, you know, I'm putting this work out for people. I know there's going to be inherent damage, and that was where I wanted to go with this. So sometimes we have to just understand that there's an inherent amount of variance to all of these things. And that's why I think it's important to be so disciplined in your approach. The idea being over the long term, it'll play out in our favor. The way that I've specifically come to counter this, which I don't know, I guess, I don't want to say it was accidentally, like I magooed my way into this, but I didn't think it would be this effective, is incorporating, gosh, I don't know, I want to make sure I put this correctly. Incorporating the things that I know people use, even if I know that they don't test out mathematically. Now, I could give you a good example for baseball in baseball in particular and this happens at the sharpest levels again you know as we learn more and more about the game the it's almost like a doctor if you're not going to all the new conferences you're still a good doctor but that doesn't mean you know all the state-of-the-art stuff and if you continue to ignore it you will fall, fall behind the curve that's 100%. probably the best analogy yeah. but when it comes to these when it comes to these games man I'm not, i want to make sure i'm going to kind of put this right that if you understand what the public is going to use and misuse, like batted ball quality, right? We often hear people cite, a pitcher got hit really hard. Now, I know intuitively that doesn't sound like a good thing. And it's generally not a good thing. But we shouldn't be too interested about how hard the ball got hit because a bad pitch could get hit hard. And it also could have been 0. .001 centimeters away from being a pop-up. That's really wonky. Batted ball data, round ball, round bat is very wonky. And it's unreliable. This is kind of tested. But we know that people are still using it. Yes. So I – okay, right. So I love that, that you can hold not conflicting ideas at the same time, right, which is also very important in gambling. So I know that people are using this stuff. So I have found that using the things that people use, even if it's wrong, Pete, is the key to finding CLV. I'll run my model with all that's called the human error inv- adjustments. And it is going to tell you who the public is going to love by 630 at night. Remember, not everyone is a degenerate like me. They're <laughs> up at five. Well, I you know, listen, early bird kind of gets the worm. I often say death, taxes, sun rising in the east, setting in the west, bears making dookie in the woods and me up before the crack of dawn. Because, you know, uh, uh, listen, man, betting baseball is really tough. And because I pass on so many opportunities, right, no bet better than a bad bet, here I am hopefully backing up all the, you know, the smack I'm talking. I like to think of it in terms of like a beat, right? A betting baseball, I've always said, is like building a sandcastle on the shore. Listen, some days, Pete, we get to the details and it has little curtains and little doorknobs. No matter how detailed it gets, the morning comes, whoosh, it's gone, clean slate. So that's where the consistency in the process and being efficient enough that every day you get to those curtains and every day you get to those knobs. I have found... My day almost never ends during baseball season. I'm almost up watching the the West Coast stuff. I'm not big live better. I like to predetermine my outcomes. I do understand there's a place for in our proper portfolio, so I don't like to demean things. Again, I'm not always right and you're wrong. We're just different sometimes. But yeah, you got to be up early. You're going to be working around the clock and you got to be malleable to weather and pitch changes and new things like environment and how it's affected ballparks in particular you know so if you want to help people with some of that stuff
0: yeah we'll get there we'll get there i want to to button up that idea though of taking a look at the inputs that you're getting that you know the market is paying attention to that you don't necessarily believe in what is their importance to you does it have to do with i'm just guessing it has something to do with price discovery trying to understand why the market is doing what it's doing and and try to more um ably ascertain your specific edge or like what what is your purpose in looking at that? Stuff? You know,
1: man, I'm, a, I'm afraid it would be too like Frank here and I'm going to turn, I might turn people off. You know, I am really nice and I am really friendly. I'm like a Disney dad at heart. I live my family, but this is a highly competitive game that we've just had opened up to people that are way out of their element. They're trying to learn and as my Southern friends would say, bless their hearts. <laughs> but... It's very, very complicated. And I feel like I offer something unique to this market because I have professional experience not only trading, which is why I mentioned it, but also betting sports at a high level. So I mentioned it. But then also analyzing the game at a high level, which, again, I think really matters. And to put all these things together, I like to think I'm pretty unique in it. So if you're asking me about the market, where are they lacking? It's all the places I'm not, and I hate to say it. They don't have a written plan. They don't understand all the, all the correlative testing that goes on in baseball happens in the off season. And again, if you're betting, you know, Turkish ping pong, you're probably not watching this. And I think you need it. Because baseball, again, is my income you know, or a piece of it. i should supplement of my income, I should say. While it's going on, I prefer trading in the offseason because I don't feel football happens often enough. Now, you mentioned horse racing. That might be interesting because horse racing is always going on. And the yeah. thing is because I pass on opportunities, I like to maximize on those chances. But that also means that I need a steady flow, right? I need, I need enough chances, which is why football can be difficult for me because it doesn't happen often enough. People often feel pressed. So – to your question, I know I, that was in three and a half million words or less, but there's so many. But there are right. There's so many plates spinning when it comes to this stuff. You gotta be careful. Again, it's batted ball quality, and I would say the two biggest things, the two biggest mistakes, or the mistake from the capping end is there's no risk plan. People oftentimes just use a nebulous unit amount, which yep. is not, which is not cemented to anything on earth. Like I. Particularly, I make a unit one percent of my net of my stack. Let's call it. Therefore, if I lose a hundred percent, hundred units, let's say, well, you find me on that highway with a bag of oranges tied in a bandana <laughs> on a stick. But there are people on Twitter that bet three hundred units in a day and they lose five hundred units. Now they're up twelve hundred units, but that's completely meaningless. It's not,
2: right. it's not it weighted
1: mean? in reality, right? It's not like anchored in reality. So that's mistake number one. And from the baseball side, batted ball quality on both sides, especially the pitching end, is the number one way to get in trouble. ERA and batted ball quality, people say, this guy has a 5 ERA and 10% barrel allowed, go after him. Those are oftentimes the guys I'm betting on. Because when you pop the hood, you'll see the underlying stuff is not quite the way it's being presented.
0: Right. It's an opportunity to find an opportunity to find value. I mean, it's, it sounds very, very similar to racing, very similar to trading. Let's get right. into some brass tacks about this season Now, you talked about changes. Everybody's talking about the rule changes from a gambling point of view. Do you have any hypotheses you're going to be pursuing in these earliest games we're seeing, or are you taking more of the wait and see approach? Let's have a few weeks. Let's get some data. And then let's figure out how the rule changes are going to affect gambling.
1: Well, first and foremost, you mentioned my thing. I always like to kind of wait and see. doesn't mean I don't bet at all, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I bet with a model that uses weighted averages and moving averages and then tell you that it's effective on day one. Right. Right. So there's a certain element of guessing because we don't know what changes happen. So that's an excellent point that should always kind of come first. Um, does
0: that, does that mean you'll be a, a little, you're, you're going to, you, you figure to be betting a lot more in August and September than you're going to be doing in April.
1: Yeah. Well, usually the meat for me is like June, July. Mm-hmm. And then, right. See, it's weird. Maybe I didn't understand. Cause we're talking, if we're talking volume, my volume is probably lower in the later months. Because it is very weird starting pitching changes and all types of openers. And then the call-ups happen in September. Sometimes we get weird usage down the stretch yeah. and I'm kind of looking for reliability. So for me, it's it's more of a pace thing. You probably find me betting more on competitive teams where I think the starting pitching is reliable. Again, you're always going to hear me talking about pitching, 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 because I think that's where the answer is to this key of ours to the rules. I'm tending not to overreact. I would say, we want to be looking at stolen base props if there's any prop betters out there, because unless those numbers are properly changed, that's probably going to be the value. The reason I mention props is because I know there's a lot of love for home run props. I've actually designed a really effective home run model, but it's even as effective as it is, it's not good enough to keep up with the odds because they change the ball with the humidor. So home right. runs don't happen often enough to cover a lot of these, like plus 250 home run props are not worth it, unfortunately.
0: So what about in the stolen base market? I mean, I think one of the, the 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 most common theories is obviously there should be more stealing with the way that the rules are evolving. Is there yeah. particular value on any uh, given player or you know, who are you looking to benefit most from the change? Yeah,
1: base? I l- let's look for. We want to be looking for not the speedsters, right? Cuz they're going to be juiced to high heaven. Right. And I don't really like to pay juice. We want to be focusing on pitchers that allow Stolen bases. Because remember, even with the pitch clock, the windup is the windup, and a windup doesn't take 15 seconds, right? So, though people are focused on the clock, we want to be looking at the windup. Somebody like Noah Syndergaard, for example, I haven't seen it this year, but for example, he's been slow. You're also going to get yeah. this. You're going to get these signals very early. Who's getting run on? We. I like to look at. It's generally first baseman. One I find, I guess they're cerebral. They're high IQ players. In, to start. Then I think they're probably granted an edge because they're so deeply involved in the stolen base game. Right. Even though they're not the runner as the first baseman, they have a unique understanding of the game and how good runners take leads. I would think. Interesting. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Oh, listen, that's guys like Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt steal 15 bases every year. They're like, you're going to be able to basket props of slow runners Like, you know, Aaron Judge stole 16 bases last year. His his stolen base prop might be, like, plus 600 on any given night. Yeah. So if you see an ideal spot, you write the slow pitcher, there's going to be love for the stolen base props. And I'm just kind of thinking out loud because their numbers are not out, and the number of the price is always going to kind of dictate it. The thing that I really want to stress to people, and – you know, again, I think it's like a hat tip to me. Whatever I'm here patting myself on the back, but it <laughs> is what it is, man. Right? Sometimes, we're, <laughs> hey, but for all the losses I take in public, it's I guess it's okay to take a lap or two, right? Sometimes, and it's the way the ugh, I hate the ghost runner. Oh my gosh, do I hate it? It's it's truly impacted the money line approach, and I would even go even further to say I used to really like to bet run lines, so I'm an underdog better. So I would like to – I used to try and identify underdogs I thought could win that had good prices on the plus one and a half run line, right, everybody, meaning they could lose by a run and you still cash yep. your ticket, right, to 100%. spread. The problem is that bet's no longer good because you used to be tied going into the bottom of the 10th as the visiting team underdog, and you could pretty much cash their ticket. But now there's a runner on second, and a home run is a loss for you. Exactly. Where a lead off home run in the tenth was not a loss for you.
0: Yeah, that's a big and, that's a big shift.
1: Yeah, that's also so. There's so I'm I'm stressing. I mean, I'm moving all side betting. So anytime I pick a team, right? If people are if there's a newbies, I'm limiting my side betting to f fives, meaning first five. Yeah, which I think offers a ton of. Edge, which is why I've been limited in multiple books, (laughs) and you'll see them kind of mess up my computer screen. I have a couple interesting screen records. The reason why I bet F five, Peter. So one, like I mentioned, to eliminate the bullpen and the variance, but also number one, if you paid juice on the favorite and the game is tied, you get your money back. Let's ask ourselves: when you bet the favorite in baseball? You're basically betting the starter, and you expect to be winning after five. I would love the idea of getting my money back, right? And let's say you got the Yankees at a close favorite. I don't bet minus three ten. Let's say you bet them at minus one thirty, right? Good game against the Angels or something, but you thought you had the edge, and now it's tied like five five after five. You're going to be really glad to get your money back, right? You bet on Derek Cole; he's not in the game anymore, and the game has taken a completely different, you know, transfer on the tracks. Let's say, so that's a really nice edge if you bet the favorite to get your money back. I also really like the flip side of that, which is I bet the run line for the underdog for first five. And this was kind of the thing that, I don't know what prominence I have, but whatever notoriety in the space I have, this is what kind of vaulted me there, was finding the games that we think we have the pitching edge on the underdog, betting the plus half run spread, and cashing our bet, with a tie after five. And I just, you do it all the time. The public yeah, can't help. the Pete, the public cannot help themselves. They only bet the favorites. They only bet overs. You show me. I'm telling you, I'm going to bet Edward Cabrera for the Marlins. He's going to go into the, when they play the Dodgers, and he's going to be facing number five in the Dodgers. And we're going to be betting Edward Cabrera and the Marlins plus half a run, and they're going to be plus 120. So we're going to be getting, we're going to be getting plus odds to have a pitching edge just because the people can't avoid
0: betting on the Dodgers. And just so folks understand, it's not like these first five markets, it's not charity from the books. They, they try to inc- well, they do increase their edge by increasing the spread. Typically from what I've seen, John, you know better than me. I've, I've only dumped, dipped a toe we in, them in the bowl. corner,
1: Pete. We got them backed up against the wall. They don't really know what to do. Cause to be yeah. honest, and I do a lot of the math, the answer is to make it an even plus one, but they're not going to, they don't want to do that. Wow. Because they're not going to want all the pushing and stuff that goes with it. They want to clear these bets, which is why they use the half, right? And because right. right, they're getting they make their money on. They're going to make a certain amount of money on volume on the vig, which is why I think betting I think betting over under is a dangerous proposition in the first place. I mean, I don't do it because I don't believe there's edge to be had. I believe if there was edge in the totals market, the books would charge you properly, right? They're not nice. They don't offer one ten on both sides. Because they like us, they offer one ten on both sides because nobody can predict a score, and they just
0: make their money on volume. Yeah, and and it feels like in the first five market, you'll see a bigger spread between those two numbers on the on the favorite and the dog. Is that how they're trying to adjust for the risk? Is yeah, that-
1: right. Yeah, so they have juiced the money lines out of control. Right, they've made them almost unpalatable because of people like me, and I get it. They're not going to be able to account for all the money that comes in on these favorites, though. They just can't do it. They just can't do it, right? You're going to get, uh, you know, like I said, Mitch and Eric Cabrera. I like to put names on this. I like Matthew Boyd, the way he looks for the Tigers now, coming out of camp. The Tigers are going to be underdogs to almost everybody, right? Almost everybody. So you're going to get him. Anytime you get a pitching edge, I love it. Give me a bad team and a good pitcher. Remember, it's just 15 outs. And we need a tie. We're not asking for much, right? I don't, I like, I am like Mr. Low Expectations, right? But I wanted to put a bow on something that we landed on towards the end of last year. And we really went nuclear. Again, I'm also, I'm extremely transparent in my approach. And last year was the first base- losing season I had. I kind of got whipsawed chasing the ball. And, I, you know, I was spending more time producing my show from Mayo, Mayo Media. Not to blame it all, but I was, you know, learning how to produce things and create graphics. And I just wasn't putting the time into it that I needed to. And then, I, like I said, I got whipsawed by the ball in the first half. Now, I clawed my way back to near even. But, you know, a loss is a loss, and I like to be honest. But the change that we made right about halfway when I started to pick up on it, and it was actually a, a follower that put me onto it was opening up my eyes, pulling the blindfold off, right? And I'm very glad I mentioned this already. I mentioned why I avoid totals, right? Not just that I avoid them, but why. I don't just tell people if the thing I do follow me, but why I do, because I worry about the edge. The thing though is that was making my entire approach a little myopic. Because I run this model, I run the F5 moving averages algorithm, it grades all these. I have I have graded and scored every single major league baseball game for the past like five years. We're talking about thirty thousand baseball games, and yet I was putting aside, kind of hand waving, not to say half the market, but you're right. Totals are kind of half the market, and it turns out I was really missing out on first five team totals. Right. So now what we're doing is looking for the over, but isolating it to a single team. This is where, what I said before, the books were struggling with the pricing. This really exposed that, and we've even had some books had to take these bets down because they don't, they just don't know what to do with it. So here's the long and short of it, or the long and long by me always is generally the F five standard is one and a half runs, right? So every each team, so there's a single team, first five team total, Yankees versus Guardians maybe the Yankees aren't the greatest example because sometimes they're two and a half, but, you know, one and a half for the Yankees, it's one and a half for the Guardians. Garrett Cole is pitching, but we know he's given up a ton of home runs. We we know his velocity is down, right? Because we're doing the extra work. So we know the ticks are down. We know the RPMs are down. We know he's struggling to work up in the zone. And the subsequent result of that has always been, not just for Garrett Cole, it's usually home runs. The Guardians' first five, one and a half run total, will get posted at plus 130. You only need two runs through five innings. Like, even Jacob deGrom gives that up. And the math says the number should be two. The books will not post the even numbers because then I think the market is not profitable for them. And we kind of got them. And I am really curious. This is the number one thing that I'm curious to see when the market's open, is if they offer these first five totals, if they allow us to continue to parlay them. Because again, I'm not like a big parlay guy and I'm not into this whole like, Snake oil, million to one odds things, but there is a time and a place for parlaying within a proper risk structure. So, yeah, I know that was a ton of stuff, but I, you know, hopefully, we're really getting people kind of licking their chops right now. My
0: right? audience, uh, my audience loves this stuff. You know, they we, we can go we can go a little bit down the rabbit hole, but I do want to make back. For sure. you <laughs> hang
1: with me; we end up in the weeds.
0: <laughs> I want to get to some very specific things. You mentioned a couple of pitchers you're looking forward to, maybe betting early season in those first. Five markets let's talk about your sort of portfolio of bets now obviously i'm not talking about stuff you cherry picked early that's long gone but i mean i assume you're up on the current markets here do you are you still seeing much value in season long bets and you can take this any way you want whether it's to win divisions to win the world series over unders for teams like where are you where are you seeing the value still in in anything season long
1: did you just set me up to shamelessly self-promote? Can I do that really quick?
0: You, I, I, I'm counting on it. All
1: right. So if you if you are to check out my Twitter handle at John the pinned the pin tweet is to my I did a fantasy rank, Which you know we're getting a little bit late for that, but I took a lot of pride. I wrote up the top 125 players under this advanced lens to give people an idea of what to expect from a statistically dense point of view.
0: Great. Right. Also,
1: but this has a lot of thanks. This has a lot of overlap for betting because i think again if you're going to bet the Cy Young, you want to know what's going you really want to understand what's going on under the hood i granted i know i really enjoy it but i also think it's really important so we're branching out and i'm about to release within the next like 24 hours my futures tickets are going to be coming out we're talking about launch or final five bucks or ten bucks it's, and i covered everything i have uh al Young, nl Young, both mvps both rookie of the years not only do you get the picks but you also get the process of how I build these tickets, which I think is the most important thing. So let's start there. The how. Number one, I do not bet win totals at all. You could not pay me <laughs> to put my money on the shelf at minus 110 for six months. Absolutely. Yeah, I am like, I'm, over, I'm over here trying to get plus 150 tonight.
0: It was worth it in the old days. The lines were so bad in the old days. It was worth it. It's not worth it anymore. You're 100% right.
1: I just, I can't bring myself to hang up the juice because I feel like you're, gosh, and I don't want people to get mad at me because there's very sharp people I respect in the industry that bet futures, right? So, and I hope if they know me personally, that they know I'm not trying to demean it. I'm just speaking for myself. To me, it has always felt like surrender almost. It's almost like saying, I can't make that 10% in over six months. Like I- I feel like I could do that on my own, you know. So I, you mentioned selection. I don't think that's proper selection. I think if you enjoy it, right? Maybe we need to be kind of segmenting, compartmentalizing. Yeah, for sure, rec- there's
0: people who love getting six months of action for one. Day. Yes, correct.
1: And, and yeah. that, see, that's I, that, that's a perfect point. That's what I need to be more, more better about is if it's recreate like prefacing. If this is recreational, enjoy yourself. There's a right way to do it. I would say to that, to those people, the only thing I don't like to do is to go over the terrible team totals because I have found that sometimes even if they're pacing, they end up selling off at the break and you don't get the total. So like I had Miami, Marlins, I think two years ago, they were they were outpacing the win total like crazy and they sold off the entire bullpen, all the bats, and the best pitchers, and all of a sudden you don't get your win total. And you kind of had a good handicap in theory, right? So for win totals look for look for teams that are adding at the break i think that's important i that i fun. love the player futures because the odds are there now not just because again snake oil million dollar wins here the idea is futures tickets if you avoid the chalk again right so that's the preface here is avoid i think no matter what you should avoid the chalk you should not pay plus 300 for Corbin Carroll to be Rookie of the Year. Right. Because first of all, if you like Corbin Carroll and he has a bad first month, it's going to be plus 600, and it's not going to make a difference because it's only a month in baseball, which is almost almost irrelevant. I would say for Rookie of the Year, you want players that are going to play all season. Because the landscape changes and the rules are weird, I won't even pretend to understand them, Pete, I won't. But Gunnar Henderson has 200 plate appearances. He's back and in contention for Rookie of the Year on the AL side. So I think you're going to have a hard time picking anyone that isn't playing all year, right? I think you're going to have a hard time with a midseason call-up to outplay Gunnar Henderson if he gets 650 PAs. Same to be said on the a- NL side with Corbin Carroll. So I think that's the preface for the Rookie of the Year is focus on guys that are going to play all year. That doesn't mean that these guys can't get hurt. So what I love about the long odds is that they allow you to build responsible tickets – that I'm just in love with. And I give you an example. These are not the particular players, you're gonna to have to pay, you know, five dollars for that. But <laughs> it's more about let's say, and again, you know, there's there's if you follow my stuff, there's pictures that you know I love, right? So I love Shane McClanahan, right? Love Shane McClanahan. He's probably 14 to 1. I love who else is really electric on a perning basis? Okay, also. Let's stop and spin another bowl, right? If people remember the Gong Show or Ed McMahon Show, <laughs> Eric Brenn used to spin plates on bowls, right? Of course. the circus music. And now, for me, people, if you're thinking, "What the hell is this guy talking about?" For me, it's my favorite analogy for complex thought. Every bowl is another thought, and if, as long as you get back to it before it falls, right, you can keep them relevant. So, <laughs> I think part of part of these awards is understanding that they're subjective, right? It's not, there is no rookie of the year statistic. We cannot calculate rookie of the year. There's going to be people hemming and hawing over war and ba- baseball war and baseball reference war against fan war. And how many, it's just, it's absurd. And it's because it's subjective. So part of that is you kind of want to play for sex appeal a little bit. Big market teams, teams are going to go to the playoffs. Teams are going to win. Now it's not a hard, fast rule, but it does help. So I like Dustin May. Dustin May is going off. I saw him at like 80 to 1. Now, he's kind of injury prone. Nobody here can predict injuries. I've been referring to it as the Christian McCaffrey principle for all my fantasy football people out there, there even if betting football, right? Oh, he could never stay healthy. You need a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's a mispractice since high school, Pete. Didn't you know that? He's he's That's the 17-game player, and it just goes to show you we have no idea, okay? Yeah. Now, the thing I do avoid is if a player is hurt now, right? If a player is hurt now, like I'm not going to bet Carlos Radon, who I loved – but he's hurt right now. So I'm not going to bet him to win it all. But other than that, ignore ignore what people told you. Right? Pablo Lopez could never throw 200 innings. 100 innings never happened. He can't do it. He can't physically John, you don't understand. He can't physically do it. All right, well, he went and did it. And most people just go on, you know, doing whatever, not taking any accountability. So we have to think for ourselves. So Dustin May checks all the boxes, right? The big market team, he's going to get a full opportunity. He's electric. And the odds are ridiculous. Point being, build a ticket and balance it. You know, I like to play with the dials. Again, this isn't 1985. You don't have to go find Vito and pay him 50 bucks. That's not how it works anymore. You could pay, you could bet $17.21 on McClanahan, while you bet $37 on somebody that's a bit more favorite, while at the same time, you bet $5 on one of the longer odds on Dustin May. The idea being, people, be sustainable in your approach. determine your risk first. The, that's a major problem with futures betting. People just bet, oh, I, yeah, I have a Dustin May ticket. I have a Julio Rodriguez ticket. How many tickets do you have? And again, we get back to the units. I have 55 units worth of futures tickets. You have half of your business on futures? That's, real, that's a major risk right there. But for those people, it's not half their business. It's just some nebulous number. They don't They don't actually care. They could be widgets. They could be trinkets. You know, so be responsible. Calculate your R first. And work backwards. So once you determine that, you know, Mister Pete has Pete has a ten thousand dollar stack. You know, he's willing to put one percent on a futures ticket, right? So now you have a hundred bucks. Rather than put hundred bucks on one player, that's no fun. The guy goes down, you're out. You, the player futures give you this. You can build a robust ticket across multiple awards where you kind of can hit three or four of them and make a big payday for yourself. So for me, that's always at the, at the center. Don't try to be too particular. This is the Cy Young winner. And I'm putting all my chips on him. He pulls a lat in May and you're out, you know, <laughs>
0: let's talk about things on a team basis. What teams do you think are poised to overperform slash teams? You think might benefit from the new rules, like teams you would, you would guess you might be betting on early. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really like the Mariners. But I'm afraid the public is is getting on to them. The
0: number's high.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's moved up, right? It's moved up. So I like the Mariners, which is unfortunate. I like run totals anytime there's a game in Cincinnati, right? Keep an eye on those run environments.
0: Yes, it really has evolved into this, uh, I think uh – Paul Spores calling it Coors Light at this point.
1: Oh, that was, yeah. You know, he beat me to it, man. I was saying Coors 2.0. I don't know how I missed the obvious pun. Shame <laughs> on me. You know, I fancy myself a bit of a wordsmith at times. And, man, I, I, all, I, I, me and Paul are good friends. And, hat tip to him, he's the man. But, man, I was a little bitter. I'm a little bitter. Because, and not, you know, not only that, I, and okay, not me, 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 but because I have the microscope out during the season on every game. We were early on Cincinnati, and that was one of the most automatic paydays. I could not believe any game ever would get posted, one and a half runs, first five team total in Cincinnati, right? So I'm not just talking, about these are bets that I like, but these are approaches that I actually use. When you wake up and there are games being played in Cincinnati, ignore the fact it's the Pirates. It doesn't matter. The Pirates are going to score two runs through five in Cincinnati. Why? Because everybody scores two runs for five in
0: Cincinnati. And the market is not caught up on that one? It's –
1: okay, slowly but not fully because of the bad team bias, right, that we were alluding to in reverse before, how the public loves the over. They love the Dodgers. They love the Yankees. They can't bring themselves to bet the Pirates, to bet the Reds, to bet the Tigers, to bet the Nationals. They just can't do it. But these teams score runs just like anybody else. And even the very worst team – He's going to win 60 games, right? 60 times. 60 times. 60 times. I'll tell you what, and I've never actually done this. I don't have the patience or the CO Jones necessarily. But the Nationals are so bad, both perception and reality. I would think if you were to set an amount and bet the Nationals every game blind, you probably profit. (laughs)
0: <laughs> just because the market's going to hate them too much you think
1: well the idea is the average I'm doing it rough back in the napkin math right the average line is going to be close to plus 200 60 losses in 100 it's not 2 out of 3 right that's not enough doesn't cover it you act that makes 20 gain. that makes 20 so right there you should have 20 wins and if it's a unit times 3 which almost sounds crazy why aren't we doing this well (laughs) it's true I mean do you do you honestly
2: do you honestly right
1: you have to see that's the thing and I I like to think (laughs) I have I have some stomach but I don't know if it's made for that but let me ask you all honesty do you really think the Nationals are a plus 110 on the dog no they're a plus 205 on the dog
0: yeah I mean it's I mean I feel like they and the and the the A's there's there's oh yeah telling to how beat up those teams could get this oh
1: yeah oh (laughs) no A's you nailed it so the pitching is a bit sketchy right now. But again, people don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Do not fall into the narratives. If you're hanging with Pete, you're hanging with me. We got to be better than that. <laughs> but again, that's we one mentioned at the start. It's well, how do we figure this out? You go to Savant, you look at his xERA, ERA, right? Expected ERA. This is what I mentioned before. I'm glad now we kind of get into it where it accounts for everything we want to know. It's not just exit velo- um exit velocity and launch angle. It also accounts for strikeouts and on base percentages. And now, no, no single stat is going to be all-encompassing, but, man, they're getting pretty close of doing a very good job that if you just want to validate, is this pitcher's ERA truly five? If they have an expected ERA of two, right, and um, just so you know, it's built on the same scale, right? Two is excellent, three is good, four is average, five is bad. So it's the same exact scale. They did a very good job with this. If the pitchers start to show large discrepancies in output ERA versus expected ERA, you could bet on the Athletics. If they don't and the pitchers stink, I actually like the Athletics offense. That offense is going to be a first five-team total all year for us. And the best part of it, Pete, the Athletics get such a stain. Their F5-team total gets posted at .5 sometimes. They only have to score one run through five innings.
0: <laughs> That's sick, No. That does sound crazy because I mean I see them I do see them losing an immense amount of games but I mean sure. one run through five I mean hey you, you could still lose you know what I mean it doesn't it doesn't violate my sort of uh, how about pre- this Pete I'll tell you no one point. better
1: we we invite them to lose because yeah. if the A's go down five nothing in the first the quality of pitcher you're facing in the fourth and the fifth is so bad you're gonna get those two runs yeah. I'm t- <laughs> it is really it's it's Using, and this, uh, wow, what a great episode, man. You should do this professionally. You're a very good <laughs> uh, That plays into what I mentioned before, taking the public's energy and like a judo, right? Like trying to sidestep the negative energy and trying to transfer it into positive energy. And that's another great way to do it is by using narratives. The public, listen, I don't expect the public to be following on the Pittsburgh Pirates roster the way I am. But the fact of the matter is I am, and I know who's on these squads, and I know the A's are much improved on offense. People are not ready to accept it. Pete, you're going to come May. People are going to be saying, wow, the A's are still bad. But we're going to be saying, wow, the offense is actually not nearly as bad as we thought, you know?
0: It's going to be an interesting one to follow. What about World Series wise specifically? I got to bring you in to to yep. give your th- to hear your thoughts on that market before we get out of here. What, uh is, is there any is there any appealing bet or just like from if you, if there isn't from a wagering standpoint, just from an analytical standpoint, what do you what do you see when you look at those numbers?
1: Yeah, well, for me, you know, the the way to get there, the how is starting pitching, but seven deep because of injuries, and then once you get to the finish line, we've seen how pitching is now used in the playoffs, right? Yep. High impact, one, two, three innings at a time. Starter, sure, five, six. But after that, you get the fifth starter in the fifth inning or the sixth inning and the seventh. And then it's – so it's all about power arms. Obviously, deep lineup. You like to have some youth on retainer, right, to kind of reload the offense. Again, injuries, this is a long season. And then bullpen. So the three, you need to be strong on three phases. If we're going to be talking about a World Series, I don't think you could luck into the World Series. I don't think so. And then maybe the caveat of what I mentioned before, a team that's looking to build, right? Some teams are bad, and if they compete, don't care about the fans. They're looking to sell off whatever is not nailed down that they think they can get money on, which is unfortunate. That That's another story for another day. But to me, that's kind of depressing. You know, if I like to think if I were a billionaire and I owned one of these teams, I'd really care about winning because I think that's why you buy it. You know, you don't buy it to make money. You should buy that to want to win. So that's the kind of how right competitive teams three phases. Maybe that's a bit caveman analysis, but who checks that, but also has a good price. Because I can't lock myself up with like anything that's plus four hundred or less. Forget it. You can forget about that. I'm not interested at all.
0: What is Houston's price right now? I mean, they've got to be. I mean, they, they're the team that like leaps to mind as you're going through your criteria, but obviously they're going to be too short. Yeah,
1: right. It, to be honest, if you're to me at least, if you're in the if you're in the business of betting series futures, it's probably not the chalk. It's probably again similar to what I mentioned before, identifying. See, I did this for The Athletic last year. It was actually – it was wildly profitable. One of the things we hit on was I hit on the Seattle – Seattle to make the playoffs. Right, didn't they squeeze in? Seattle made the playoffs, right? He did. Yeah, and so how I like to build the futures tickets is, rather than plus 400 on the Dodgers, is to try and build a more robust ticket with multiple avenues and pathways to profit. Right. So again, I guess my, my advice is really not exciting, is it? Where I'm like, I pick this and I'm going to win big. Like, I don't, that's not how I play. I just don't do that because I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Right. I don't know if I can do that. I like to, you know, work the board. Right. Give me, give me the teams that maybe are not so well thought of. Right. So I like, um, I like the Mariners. Like I said, I think they could charge. Um, I think I like the Angels. I think they're a bit undersung. Right. I actually think I like the Cubs, right? So if I was looking for like a long shot, make the playoffs. I don't think the Cubs can win the World Series, right? So you see how I am i try and use the, the process, but you do have to be malleable, right? The Cubs don't check all the box I mentioned before. But so maybe they're just not a World Series bet. Maybe they're a playoff bet. But that division is kind of weak. And I think the Cubs have been very aggressive with both player moves, player acquisitions, and development. They managed to... They swindled my Yankees out of Hayden Wesneski. I don't know how they, I don't know how they managed to do that. Well, if anyone is unfamiliar with that, right? The Cubs, the Cubs got the Yankees' top pitching prospect for us, Scott Efros and a bag of oranges. And right now, the Yankees wish they had a top pitching prospect. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, that that kid Hayden Wesneski is, was phenomenal, and he might be someone we want to look at. A, uh, his rookie of the year odds, though, they got cut in half because he just made the rotation. They're still like fifty to one.
0: It's interesting. You mentioned being positive on the Angels. Is there some way to hedge? My fear about doing anything positive with the Angels is, is the market taking into account the possibility of, you know, Otani not finishing the year there? And what that that kind of seismic shift that would make to all of their chances? But Or is, I mean, I guess you just have to figure the prices enough to cost in that, that additional risk on whatever Angels play you're making. But, like, for the Angels, I think I would – avoid anything like wins i think you go you shoot very high with whatever you're doing with the angels i would think in the idea that it's all got to go right and otani's got to stay put as opposed to you know he gets traded to the dodgers and and then you know it's all all bets are off kind
1: of thing yeah that's actually a really sharp take and and there's not only is that a sharp take it's a really great procedural tip for people is to kind of determine right you what do i say make up a story but you have to do your analysis and kind of determine the narrative. While we don't know if it's going to work or not, what we should do is bet within that structure. So I think that's super sharp is. I don't know if he's going to leave. And if you're listening to the team speak at all, they're not. They're fully dedicated to him. And look, they 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 went out and backed that up. They, they went out and brought in tons of players. They also have one of my favorite young pitchers in the game in Reed Detmer's and it's not just because they have a really good pitcher. Now, again, to refer to advanced stats and why they matter, the teams that are able to—I'm not even sure you say this—to rebuild these pitchers, because that's what we get. Like I mentioned, trajectory changes, we get full-on, full-on arsenal shifts with new pitches outright. Like, so it's hard to compare this guy to anything we've had. But what we do know is when organizations. Put pitchers through these changes and they get the optimal result and they do it multiple times. You have to pay attention. Right now, the Angels are working into that strata, and that's why I think they're being underpriced. So, a lot of it, I'm kind of buying the Angels. I do get it, and I think you do need to price it in. You're right. But, man, if you're going to bet Angels World Series, maybe we need to get like some Mike Trout MVP, right? Because that's got to, it almost all goes hand in hand.
0: You yeah, know, there's some correlation there. You would right. think, you know, though. Um, so I guess it's always MVP is always going to be tough in an Otani world, but it's it's uh... well, it's his to lose.
1: And you know, man, my my friends and family are never, ever ever going to let me live it down i was on my soapbox i have these videos my friends still play from me i was on v with gil alexander i do uh spots with him during baseball season
0: oh gil's, and, gil's a good pal
1: oh he's the best gil is just the man oh my gosh he's the man but anyway i was on my soapbox screaming about how otani was still the mvp i didn't care what judge was doing with the bat like i didn't care and and <laughs> the and it's the worst uh, we're Dude, we are tremendous Yankee fans. My son's nursery—I've often kid—not only is my blood, but my son's nursery is pinstriped. I mean, his entire room is covered in Yankee memorabilia, including he has an Aaron Judge poster over his bed, signed with my Paul O'Neill signature. I am that kind of Yankee fan, and I still was like, I don't care, Otani. What he's doing is trans—it's transcendent. It's—it's like—it's like a miracle. And he lost. <laughs> right, and they're right, never right. going to let me live it down, man. I'm that guy.
0: A <laughs> couple other teams I want to ask you about specifically. And then I want to get, I do want to do two minutes of Roto because there are some leagues that observe that traditional date and haven't gone yet. But <clears throat> what do you think of the Diamondbacks this year?
1: Oh, definitely. That's another one. Though. I should have mentioned them as that's one of the teams that you'll be seeing me betting on early. Now, They're particularly an F5 team because it's uh, right. This goes to what I was saying about the bullpens. It's hard to lay down a prediction when the bullpen is bad. There's a good chance. Arizona is one of the best first five teams in the league. And it does not reflect in the standings, which is great for F5 betters because we cash our ticket. They lose the game and get posted as an underdog again the next day. It really, it's it's unbelievable. F5 records are not. Counted in the in the pricing at all. It's ignored. It's wholly ignored. So interesting. Yeah, so so Zach Gallon up against the Dodgers is gonna get a good line to tie. Love that. Even kids like Nelson, when those guys take the bump, really like the Diamondbacks. The offense is the thing that I like. So Arizona first five, also Arizona first five team totals this year, for sure. Uh yeah, I don't know if it's bad team buyers or if it's like a West Coast thing, because a lot of us you know the degenerates up at five a.m. are sleeping by the time they're playing. A lot of times, right? It's hard to step to. It's hard to step to two thirty and watch the end of the Arizona game. Oof. But I don't think they're getting the credit they deserve there. I like that offense.
0: Texas, another team that I was interested in. I just find myself doing my roto prep, just continually coming around to like, oh, this team is was really unlucky last year, and and they've got a lot of players I like this year. What what, what are your thoughts on them as a whole?
1: My gosh, We talk about a range of outcomes. I've been talking about. The Rangers probably have it almost feels definitive, even though it's an opinion, having the widest range of outcomes. I hear that. Perhaps of perhaps of any team, right? By the band leader of the of the charge, right? Jacob de Grom, which
0: yes. any team with de Grom has a wide range of outcomes.
1: Right, right. He he automatically but they didn't do that rotation any favors, because right behind him is Ivaldi. Maybe right behind him, maybe above hit Iavaldi is Andrew Heaney. Right, who is downright fantastic, but how many innings can you get from this guy? Yeah. So I I don't think I think the answer if we're to stay consistent, like I'm saying, do your analysis, stay within your process, would be maybe bet on the Rangers in the short term. Right. Look for betting on them by the game. Now you're not gonna get any plus odds with the Grom. Sorry, Charlie. That's that's not gonna happen.
0: (laughs) But you might get it with
1: like a Haney if you like him. You know, or if yep. you, again, Evaldi who I like for in short stints. But the Rangers are going to be a tough one because season long, that's a six-month marriage to a lot of injury risk.
0: Yes. No, I was not thinking season. I was thinking just a team that I'm looking to, to ride early, um, potentially. And I and I think yeah. – Corey Seager, you know,
1: MVP maybe also. I know, I know it gets uh, teeth sucked and eye-rolled. But <laughs> there's a reason. You know, people – we mentioned a shift rule, the rule changes. And I'm not trying to overreact. Because I do believe pitchers will pitch a bit differently also. But there's a reason they made the rule change. And it wasn't because it was helpful, right? I mean, it's very weird now having people – like, it's almost – it's not going to matter. No, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter. And I know Seager has been getting used by fantasy people all offseason to death about how many balls he lost in the shift. It was like, yep. God, it had to be over 85 balls to the shift. You know, just this absurd amount he would have been.
0: Not that, literally. What's 80- that not literally 85. Yeah,
1: I think it might even be. Yeah, I think it really might have been. Whoa! And if I if I ramble long enough, I'm actually going to get it for you. But he, <laughs> but the, I th- this part I do know was so I didn't just run the numbers and make them all base hits, right? That wouldn't have. That is not what we're trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out what his batting average would have been last year if there were no shifts and. His batting average would have jumped from 244 to 277, which is a tremendous, just a tremendous difference. And it's one of the reasons I think he's not being thought of, kind of in that. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. Here's, you tell me, Pete, if the shift works. Okay, so one, I was way off. It was 110 balls lost in a shift. So this is Corey Seeger last year. He hit 120 pulled ground balls. Into the shift. Now, I know it's splitting on splitting on splitting, but that's what you get when you hang out with me. Because <laughs> I, sometimes I think you do have to get that automatist thing out. You know, camera one, camera two. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: 120 balls pulled into the shift. Zero extra base hits. Ten singles for a 0.83 batting average. Certainly oh, looks- my gosh.
0: Seems like a player to be looking at.
1: That's also a 0.83 slug. I mean, that's atrocious. Yeah. Now, the league average is about 240, let's call it roughly. It's all rough. But now, to get that's what I was saying is to take that 0.083 up to 244, you have to add something like 25 hits. Not, Ray was saying he lost 110 balls, but that's at least 25 base hits. How many runs? How many ribbies? All the batting average. How many wins does that translate into? How many innings ended? So, yeah, I mean, he he is like the poster child for who could just explode without the shift. And I, what is, is he batting 800 in the spring or something, too? It's something just absurd, I think.
0: Any so, yeah, other yeah. players, Roto-specific, before I let you? I've kept you much longer than I that's said. Okay. Too long, we're, we're now, that's okay. we As I cool. said, so we do have to wrap this. But I wanted to just give you a chance to, to tout a couple of more players who you're just expecting to overperform for those people whose uh, Roto drafts are the traditional uh, upcoming weekend.
1: Okay, that's perfect. Right, let's wrap up some late the late names that I really like that might actually help people in draft rooms. And again, if you're if you're stuck for it, I have you know uh, top six twenty five five yeah. by five rankings in thirty five tiers. I have head to head rankings, underdog rankings. If you're still doing the best ball thing, you could upload all that stuff CSV files, the whole line, just every just and every it's, single it's thing. The,
0: the write ups are incredibly entertaining as well. I appreciate.
1: So. Yeah, I appreciate that. They're at least at the very at the very least, they're different. So how about like a position-by-position position thing? If you get stuck... So if you're stuck in your draft room in the last round and you need somebody at each position, catching, i probably go with the Rays Christian Bethencourt. I think okay. he's going to have the majority of plate appearances. I think he also steals some bases. Right if we're talking Roto, we want homers and steals. I call it Roto juice. So That's I think he cool. can check those boxes. And again, while we're looking for replacements. So if Houston... Uh, I don't even know how to say his name, Yenier Diaz. If he makes the Astros as their backup catcher, he's really good hitter. And even if he's getting half the plate appearances for Houston, he could be really good. So you can see how deep I go. Um, first base is pretty deep in general. Let me see. Who do we really like at first? It's funny. First base is really deep. But then it kind of ends, right? Meaning if we're beyond – Geez, even like the Tristan Koss. So I guess Casas is probably the last guy that I really like. He's moving up a bit on base machine, front third of a good Boston lineup. Yeah, yeah. so I'd probably say Casas is probably my late guy at first. And because I don't love a whole bunch of other guys, how do we apply that? Get your first baseman a little early. It doesn't mean you need Pete Alonzo. But don't get left out of that Anthony Rizzo, even Ty France tier. I think people a little too lackadaisical. Like, oh, there's always something else. There's always something else. You, let's get at least 27 home runs from first base.
0: I don't mind Nathaniel Lowe there. Oh, yeah, but he's going – he's –
1: I think I had something to do with that. He's getting pushed up now. He's going way ahead of those other guys.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Yeah, like – see, <laughs> you know what's funny? I don't know if if I'm taking credit for this, but it is part of it, right? Analyst and st- – Stories come out at the athletic, pushing up a player, and people read it, and you know that's kind of it starts on the podcast circuit, and you know ADP starts to move. So I was looking at uh, Nate Lowe. he's in line for a huge season. He he underwent a approach change again. One of the differences that we've noticed since we've had the change of the ball is there's hulking power, right? Jordan Jordan Alvarez power, Aaron Judge power. They can bang a ball off the front of the moon if they wanted to. But we're also seeing smaller plays. Not that Nate Lowe's a small guy. He just happens to fit this other style of pulled elevated balls, right? So pulling your fly ball line drives. A pulled fly ball line drive, I believe, has a 650 batting average. Aver- like the av- the league average, right? The league average on a pulled fly ball line drive is six fifty, and that number is sticky. It's ha- it's been that way for like a decade. So teams are now realizing that the hanging fly balls, right, because they raised the seams. So it's raising of the seams that's cr- increased impedance, right? It raised Z. So even though they whatever this is the science part, even though they they lower the core to increase the bounce, which is why we saw expected stats jump at the point of contact. But right? you could tell them like in the lab with the stuff. But it, yeah, matters, right? but it matters because they also raise the seams. Raising the seams is like putting a thousand little parachutes on the ball. And that's why balls hit a mile in the air aren't going out anymore. And again, I could prove this because we've seen a subsequent degradation of output on barrels, right? And again, we're basically a barrel being what we thought of as being the ideal output, right? Because again, this is where X stats matter. What's a barrel? Barrels are stupid. It's the ideal combination of exit velocity and launch angle. No, it's not stupid. If a guy hits a ball 115 miles an hour at a 13 degree launch angle, that's a home run. Like anywhere you go. So you want to identify those, right? That's what we're looking for. The problem is that number has degraded with the change in the ball. So you kind of have to be on top of all this stuff and knowing that pulled power has moved to the four teams that you're seeing this from the cardinals right if you go look at nolan arenado's spray chart for his home runs there's have a single ball that's not pulled and you say oh in fact nolan arenado is thought of as like a power hitter and his power stats are not great you know what i mean like his like his barrel rate and all these things that people kind of cite right remember i mentioned to be careful with contact quality i use it but you have to know how to use it right so if you were to look at this is nolan arenado he had an eight percent barrel rate He had a 32% hard hit rate. These numbers are not good. These are average or below average. But he was one of the 23 people, only 23 hitters had 30 home runs. How did he pull that off, Pete? How did a guy with a below average hard hit rate and a below average bow rate make his way into the elite tier of home run hitters? And the answer is he combines a 50% fly ball rate with a 50% pull rate So he pulls enough elevated fly balls to get you that home run total, right? So I know that was a little bit in the lab, but I'm trying to, like I said, right? The buffer, this is, I've tasked myself with being the buffer with explaining the why to people that want to know, but just don't have an avenue to having it explained to them.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you've got so, a lot of great content to follow, but let's let's roll through a few more of these roto players, and then, then we'll okay, okay. I'm we'll sorry, I'm sorry. You. So it's going we'll, right. we'll so on. So all those up same plug nice for all your stuff.
1: All right, hold on. I'm gonna get around. I'm gonna get around the diamond. Of course, I yep. tangented. Sorry. So <laughs> second base is is a Cardinal. Is Brendan Donovan very late? Multiple position eligibility. He is. He has an elite plate approach. They've talked about. Guess what? Having him pull more fly balls, but I was worried it might affect his contact rates. So far this spring, it has not. He's not only hitting for contact, he's also hitting for power. They've also mentioned Brendan Donovan is in line to lead off at times. So he has four homers, 10 ribbies, with a 900 OPS 537 slug this spring. Brendan Donovan is one of my pure breakout players. Over to, let's see, shortstop. Who do we like at shortstop? Well, now it's not much of a secret anymore. I had been drafting Anthony Volpe, you know, for quite yep. a while. I even think if you want, I think go the other route. I think now the market is soured on Oswald Peraza. And I think the Yankees are either going to find a spot for him or trade him. So he mm-hmm. could still be an interesting piece. Other than that, shortstop late is a little uh, – you know I have my eye on? Who Cincinnati starts. Now, this is really deep. But sometimes that's what you have to do in fantasy. Stick a piece of gum in the dam. And start, start searching, right? But find the at-bats, find the opportunities, and where's the best place to look? Well, let's go to the best hitting environments, right? I'd be looking at Kevin Newman, who I know people are going, what? what? <laughs> you know what? I think that's what I love about some of my calls sometimes. you go, This guy is like a habitual jag, right? Just a guy. But he's ha- dealt with some injuries. He's now in the best hitting ballpark in the league. He also has a monster season on his ledger You know, so 2019, Kevin Newman went, bat. he bat 308, 61, 64, 12 homers, 16 steals, and it was only 531 PAs. That's interesting. So, again, I don't think he's going to be great. I don't think he's going to, like, break the scale. But I do think he's going to play every day. (laughs) Cincinnati's such an embarrassment on offense. They they paid him, quote-unquote. He's getting paid $6 million or something, so he's going to get the ball. But if he doesn't, the player behind him is the guy I'd be interested in, which is Jose Barrero. So my shortstop call is Cincinnati, if you're stuck. Third base, who do we like at third? I mean, I was hoping it might be Brett Beatty for the Mets, but he's not going to get the call. So if we need production week one, where are we going to go? Well, when we can't find a good hitting environment, I think you look for – the most amount of opportunities, and I think those are found on bad teams. So I actually like Jace Peterson. Believe it or not, man, I'm just I'm just giving out all the winners right. right the whole winners right here, man. <laughs> He's very obscure,
0: ridiculous. but that that's good for Roto. People got to keep these guys on their. Uh, you know, when you when, you're, when you get when it gets late and desperate, it's nice to have a an option. And why? Why?
1: Okay, last last year only 328 PA's. So you know, not say you straight up extrapolate. He's never gotten full run, right? He's always been thought of as kind of a part-time player. Well, Oakland said, hey, man, you know what? I got $4.8 million to make you a starting third baseman in Major League. So, listen, eight homers and 12 steals in only 300 PAs. Can you imagine, like, if you were to extrapolate and double his season stats last year, imagine if this was Jace Peterson. Yeah, he bat 236, which hurts you, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Although, uh, there is probably some room for improvement. 88 runs, 68 ribbies, 16 homers, and 24 steals from your third baseman that, again, you plucked off the wire, right? We're not talking about John's top third baseman to target. This is, no, no. This a is if you play. lost somebody. Right, right. Free plays. If you're looking for a week zero add, I kind of call them, right, adding before the season starts, I think he's going to shock some people. And at the very least, I think he's going to run, right? So, again, I'm off, I often mention Roto-Juice. Guys that offer you homers and steals are good plugins because at the end of the week, anybody could hang a goose egg on you. If Jace Peterson ends up with a homer and two steals, you're going to be really glad that you got that. Outfield, I think there's a ton. There is a metric ton of outfielders. There's actually a, a crop of outfielders coming up, but I also think there's some guys that are going to get the ball right away. Where are we going to go? How about Cincinnati for TJ Friedel? I don't know if he's on my is.
0: list in this category I, yeah, I absolutely like
1: him. love he's like one of my guys, right? You know, fantasy fantasy analysts have my guys. Very strange. Uh he's not getting any kind of attention whatsoever. He is a on-base machine. Like he's a career just a career on-base machine in the minors. Let's see, he was a 275 hitter. Career, this is 2000 plate appearances. With a 370 OBP. Tremendous. Uh, That's really good. 11% walk rate. Right? So these are on base skills. He's also an elite center field defender. He was also excellent for them down the stretch. Really tough that people don't use the lens that you need sometimes. So TJ Friedel was not the starting center fielder. People see the season stats and it's like, oh, what? These are like not, uh, they're, they're, they're replaceable. I don't know what you're seeing. He was up and down. He was injured. He got the call up. Check out the second half from TJ Friedel. 139 wrc plus. I mean, 39% better than the average hitter in the second half. That's like just not something that's not something that you should be sneezing at. You know, he stole bases, right? He had two steals and eight home runs, 20 runs, 18 ribbies in bat 270 down the stretch. He's not even being drafted. He might be the leadoff hitter for the Reds. In which case, he might score hundred runs. I mean, this its kind of crazy. Some of the players that don't get right, eh, discarded. Yeah, You just discarded. So I like Friedel a lot. His
0: upside is such that I—I I would even. I mean, I don't know. Maybe ten team is too too shallow. But like, I—if you have raw, if you have extra spots, like I'd stash him even in a pretty shallow league. I like
1: Absolutely, that. he checks all the boxes. And then, in particular, I might mean, actually—I might expand on that. I—I I think one. I, I think you might be right in ten teams if you have a spot on your bench. You definitely want him for Cincinnati weeks, right? So I think that's fair. I think I think he's 12-team viable. I think he's 10-team viable at home. And I think on the road, you could probably take it or leave it. Right. But, yeah, people kind of let these values out. And then a couple of the guys, um, Connor Capel, so that's C-A-P-E-L on the A's. He made the team. He's got juice. James Outman on the Dodgers, who he – I don't know. Again, I'm not a big prospect guy. A lot of times I let them come up, disappoint, and then I try and add them. Sure. But but if you are stuck, that doesn't mean, you know, they can't help you. He, I mean, this guy, I don't know how the Dodgers keep doing it, right? The Dodgers just, they just always seem to get it done. He, okay, so this is James Outman who just made the Dodgers. He bat 294, 101 runs, 106 ribbies, 31 homers, and 13 steals in 550 PAs. This guy, you know, again, you can't just take those stats and make it into the major leagues. But how's 100, 131, and 13 sound on the Dodgers? <laughs> yes, please. So, like, you know, you could get this guy. He's not even being drafted. And if he, I mean, he's made the team. If he hits even in the top six, the Dodgers, I know we love to say they're so great. That lineup is not as good as we thought they might have been as far as adding pieces. Is it possible, Pete? That they knew they were sitting on James Outman and he's going to bat sixth behind JD Martinez and be in line for 120 Ribbies this year? It's possible. So there are players out there that I like all around the diamond that we could add, you know, that have been forgotten. That's
0: great before. stuff, John. All right. Let's just let people know one more time at John LaGuaza on Twitter. You think that's the single best place yes. to go? Um, the player write ups, I think they're st- still totally, re- they're more for fantasy, I suppose, but I think they're still totally relevant for gambling, especially when it comes to these uh, first five props that I know you're all about. What about audio? Where can folks get you in an audio format?
1: Well, we just made the announcement yesterday. I am so, so, so excited to hook up with Rob Pozzola at the Hammer Network. So I have my very own betting show, yay, coming to you every single day. And it's going to be coming one fifteen off the crack of the bat, in case you thought I slowed down for anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be starting on opening day. It's going to come to you... 12 o'clock and it'll be on that youtube channel but yeah again if you follow me on twitter you won't miss anything i make sure to streamline everything because i have just, just so much stuff going on the show is gonna be called call to the pen so you could search that on youtube but you know come subscribe and stuff like that and you'll check it out even i like to put out a lot of free content on twitter as well um statistics some video stuff again my goal is well, my dream is to one to be broadcasting this stuff because I want I want to bridge that gap. It's yeah. so important to me. It kills me when people like don't like baseball. And I feel like it's not being presented properly right now. And I feel like there's a there's a new and exciting way to present it with all the numbers and making it fun with all the gambling, which we know is already fun. That could just be get baseball back, you know, on people's minds. And it's not right now, unfortunately. So hopefully you and I can help make a dent in that.
0: I love your vision. I'll put you the, the Twitter in the show notes as well. John, maybe we'll check in at the All-Star break.
1: Oh, call me anytime. We're now friends for life, everybody.
3: Here's Terry Cashman's Talking Baseball, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke.
2: The Wiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. While Yogi read the comics all the while Rock and roll was being born Marijuana we would score. So down on the corner the national pastime went on trial We're talking baseball Klizutski, Campanella, talking baseball The man and Bobby Feller The scooter, the barber, and the nuke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially Willie, Mickey, and the two. Well, Casey was winning. Hank Aaron was beginning. One Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell. The Thumper and Mel Parnell. And Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. We're talking baseball. Klazowski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque. Especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, my old friend, the bachelor, well, he swore he was the Oklahoma kid. And Cookie played hooky to go and see the Duke. And me, I always loved Willie Mays. Those were the days. Well now it's the 80s And Brett is the greatest And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone Rose is at the vet And Rusty again is a man And the great Alexander is pitching again In Washington We're talking baseball Like Reggie, Quiz and Barry Talking baseball Kluzu and Gaylord Perry See for Garvey, Schmidt and Vita Blue. If Cooper's town is calling, it's no fluke. They'll be with Willie, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. (laughs)
0: the listeners will be pleased that i fought the urge to provide the say hey backup vocal there at the end (laughs) awesome (laughs) with us once again daniel butterfield our annual guest and it's just great to have you back here my friend that obviously the terry cashman number uh, my dad would play that every baseball opening day and the fact that it was your idea and not mine uh, tickled me uh, how are things, my friend? What's the latest?
3: Uh, it's it's been uh, I've been uh, okay. I've actually uh, I've been uh, struggling with schizophrenia the last couple of years, so um, I'm kind of on the on the, the the on the keeping on the down low, keeping keeping underground at the moment. But uh, just while I uh, you know work and sort of get get myself back together, but it's it's all good because I I still have time to work and uh, study study and practice and uh, keep going with life
0: you've got a wide skill set. I mean, obviously that's some serious stuff you're, you're, you're dealing with. Have you been, what, what what kind of treatment do you deal with for that is it is it talk therapy Is it meds is it are you it inpatient outpatient what's the story it,
3: right now it's meds and uh working on getting working on getting a, a psychiatrist thank you it's uh you kind of have to play musical psychiatrists i found oh, like they they have their predilections and their willingness to prescribe certain things and that's kind of how they operate <laughs> uh it's, so it's it's uh it's kind of hit or miss but as long as once you once you start advocating for yourself then uh things improve a lot so, so cool. it's, been, it's been it's been getting better and i'm optimistic
0: that's fantastic i'm very very glad to to hear that i t- was talking about your skill set obviously we know about your your musical talents you've actually people listening to this show who don't know it have found us because of some of the help you provided us at in the money with your seo expertise and some of oh. the, the moves that we've made and, and changed and we've seen the health of the site and, and all that stuff um, go up through all, a lot of these organic things that you showed us. Are, are you still doing that SEO kind of work as well?
3: Uh, yeah, actually, right now I'm uh, currently started. I'm uh, started just a few weeks into a new job with, uh, with uh, a college up here in uh, Ontario uh, where I'm doing a web content uh, SEO-based role. Oh, very so, cool. Like, just, just, just learning the ropes of that new position, just starting out. So it's one of those ones I don't really like talking about a new job, like early on in it. But yes. it's going well, so uh, I, I really like the people up there, and uh, it's uh, so far, so far, so good.
0: Uh, we we'll Cross, we'll cross good. fingers and toes for you in the in the new gig and uh, and on your 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 mental health journey as well. And yeah, and it's something near and dear to us here, and a topic we uh, we we try to touch on from time to time because it's such like an underrated. Um, you know, factor in, in so many people's lives, whether they're dealing with it head on like you are, or, or whether it's a, a subtler, a subtler thing. Um, yes. What? So one of the things I love having you on for is because you like me have the, and, and your, your choice of, of, of material will, will speak to that. You know, I love, I love eighties baseball specifically. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, and be just like, there is some sort of brain chemical that's released when I hear that the names of some of those players from back in the day. Same. <laughs> it makes me happy.
3: <laughs> it is the same with me. I think that is there, there must be a hormone for nostalgia that, uh, <laughs> that eighties baseball triggers because it does the exact same thing to me. I've been on, I've been spending most of spring training, watching world baseball classic and then old old games on youtube wetting my appetite for the season
0: <laughs> that's awesome did you enjoy the wbc i mean it certainly oh. had that crescendo of an ending yeah i'll be honest i was traveling in england for most of it so i did not get to sort of just camp out and have it on in the background but i mean it just from afar it seems like an event that's just getting better and better what were your impressions of it
3: oh it was it was really fun um, i was i was uh I was reading for Venezuela. I was excited to see how strong they were this year, um, and then the final that was, that was a that was a great final. The Japan, the United States, like they were they're both really strong teams, and I love that it comes down to Otani with a save, shutting it down against
0: <laughs> Trout, no, against his teammate no less. Strike it's it too. out,
3: Trout. Yeah, that's, yeah,
0: that's that amazing. Tremendous stuff. <laughs> what does what does the baseball season and the start of the baseball season mean to you? As an adult, comparative to what it was for us in the '80s.
3: Well, yeah, it it is really different. It's um, it's it's uh, like I'll I'll spend much less time uh, on pregame, or it's it's I'm I'm way less into the details and specifics now, and I'm kind of more just into the. The, the the kind of pleasantness of the of the renewal of the seasons. Kind of getting into, you know, Bark Giamatti territory there. Yes. <laughs> Waxing poetic. Yes. But it is it is to it is very much a seasonal thing for me, uh, when, when pitchers and catchers report and it's still snowing and it's you know spring's coming. <laughs> and then that that first week of the baseball season is just it's it's it's, it's it's, it's always associated with the with renewal for me like just yeah. with the weather it's just become like that I have a similar kind of thing with uh, fall in the US open for tennis <laughs> okay yeah I always associate that with the you know the like the beginning of uh, like a new semester of college or new school year because I'm just used to that or and it's an end of the summer marker so baseball season is a nice you know it's time of renewal marker for me and then uh, and then just like Bart Giamatti said and then it's wearing down and where's that where's down in the fall. And it, you know, there's football season. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, yeah, it's, uh, it, no, yeah, it's sort of worn into that just because, and mostly it's, uh, I haven't been following the players nearly as much, um, these, these last several years. Uh, so that, that makes a difference to me when I knew, like you said, when you, you hear the players and you get nostalgic for them, uh, and you, you see all those old names and it's, and it's just, uh, and it's just, you know, heartwarming, it takes you back to, to those times. But uh, lately, uh, I mean, uh, my local teams, the Blue Jays, and they've had they've had they've had some like a nice, exciting rebuild time with new players. So it's kind of like having to relearn, relearn the being the fan of the team all over again.
0: It must be not a bad time, I would think, with a lot of the young talent on the on the Blue Jays to be a fan. Is the are the feelings optimistic up there?
3: I don't know. I don't talk to the other fan to other fans of the Jays all that much, but uh, in terms of the media, it mm, they're it's kind of hard to tell. They're especially if they're in the same division as the Yankees, and it's kind of like with the way the Yankees have shaped up shaped up these past three years. It's I mean again a matter of well them making a wild card one of the wild card (laughs) slots, and we got lots of those now. So. Yeah, the old, the football playoffs. That's kind of neat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, it, it has got to be a positive development, though, for a team like the yeah. Jays. I would think. Just you just got to make the tournament. You don't have it's, to be better. Yeah, than you.
3: but it, you really need to be built for those short short series, and it's it's good that they've got a few strong starters now. That's uh, something encouraging. Like um, as far as I recall, the the that was kind of your, the big difference between the Jays teams that won uh was that they just had a just a stronger more well-rounded pitching staff like that was one of one of the big differences like they were always out offensively pretty strong but once they had, once they got that pitching in it was just yeah, that's when it really got fun
0: pushes things over the top you, you were talking before about the giamatti quote it made me think of the famous rogers hornsby quote people ask me what i do in winter when there's no baseball i'll tell you what i do i stare out the window and wait for spring well you don't have to wait any longer with uh, opening day upon us daniel we've had you on these last few years and i joke that it's like you know darlene was to to, to letterman back in the day where every year uh she, she oh, would yeah. come on at christmas time and, and sing her song i like to do that with you as well with the song that uh i discovered well i say i discovered you i think a lot of people discovered your music through uh through through youtube and uh And this uh, reinvention, I guess we're going to call it, of of another one of my favorite old baseball songs, Van Lingle Mungo. And and nothing speaks to that sort of nostalgia and those warm feelings one gets hearing the names of baseball players than than this. Give us a little bit. I mean, you've done this before on these airways. Absolutely. A lot of your new a lot of new listeners. Um, How did this come about for you?
2: All right. Well, just
3: just as a bit of background, just for the the listeners, yeah, newer newer listeners. Uh, I'm my name's Daniel Butterfield. I'm a multi instrumentalist and a producer, singer songwriter and producer, working out of Burlington, Ontario, Canada. Just uh, between Hamilton and Toronto. And uh, I'm I've been a baseball fan all my life. Um, and when I was about thirty five or so, and I was newly separated and had time on my hands, um, I was just uh, flipping through baseball reference or scooting through that somehow and I noticed that the name Biff Pokeroba had the same cadence as Van Lingle Mongo. And to me, Biff Pokeroba is probably your best baseball player name of the 70s. And so, it that's how the idea was hatched. And I made up a spreadsheet where I took all the names from the first song and put them in order and then spent the next year um, trying to going through baseball reference and I picked the era's 75 to 84 to match Biff Pokerova's career. And so it took looking for pairs of players whose names fit the cadence and rhymed. And one of the big challenges was that there's a different ethnic blend of baseball players uh, later on than there is earlier. So the names are quite a bit different. There are a lot more Latin players. And so, uh, and you know, fewer second-generation immigrants, that sort of thing. So it, it became a challenge to actually find it all, but I managed, plugged away at it, managed to find them all, uh, find players to fit the uh, fit the scheme. I had to make some artistic choices kind of similar to the way Dave Frischberg did um, in that, uh, like, I had Roger Moret in there or Roger Murray In baseball reference, he, they pronounce it, More, it says it's pronounced Moret, but the announcer's always part it pronounced it Moret, so I had to... Yeah. Make an artistic choice there. Anyway, but uh, but it turned out all right, and uh, I ended up coming through with the song, and every player in it had a career that overlaps with Biff Pokerobas, at least for a bit. Uh, the closest was Jimmy Key, whose career overlapped with Pokerobas for about three weeks, By about two or three weeks. <laughs> that counts. Yeah, just barely, just barely.
0: <laughs> Would you play it for us now?
3: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Alright, so this is my reimagining of Dave Frischberg's Van Lingamago It's Biff Pokeroba.
2: Ed Figueroa Terry Poole Danny Cox Manny Mode Vernon Rule Guillermo Hernandez Polcaroga. Calvin Chiraldi, Jimmy Key Connie Lansford and Dennis Eckersley Tony Fernandez Biff Polteroga Stremski Rick Dempsey Roger, Murray, Hazel, Salou Milk, May, and Harmon, Killer Brew Ferguson, Jenkins, Carlton, Fisk Willie, McGee, and Richie, Zisk Willie, Montagna. Oh. Musk a
0: ready for baseball season all right all right <laughs> daniel butterfield where can folks find more of your music
3: okay so i'm on spotify um uh, if you look up daniel butterfield i'm i'm right on there i've got one album out it's called south confidence i'm uh, planning on recording another album uh and then uh getting a book going of uh other things uh but eventually i'll be publicizing that and i'm also i'm on youtube under daniel butterfield and also at uh, danielbutterfield.com and music.danielbutterfield.com that's
0: the music music website send me the links i'll make sure we you know give you lovely backlinks as i've learned to do in the uh, in the description and on the blog post all like that i want to hear more about the book you know that's some of my background i spent a long time working in book publishing so i you've uh, i'll give you some free uh, consulting on that project whenever the whenever the time comes i'm going to thank daniel butterfield one more time we'll thank john legaza as well our founding partners 10 strike racing and the thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Most of all, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do, especially these little departure episodes and musical interludes we do from time to time. Always love hearing from you about uh, what you're looking forward to in terms of the baseball season, etc. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business managers, Drew Coatney, our chief creative officer, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas for Natal. Play ball!